0: Well, good morning. It's me again. <laughs> Thank you for that. Well, I hope you're all in good spirits and I hope that you're well. We were at a wedding yesterday of uh, Henry and Deborah. Fantastic affair. She, she, I'm telling you. As she came down to our, I, as she came past, I bowed. She just, she was gorgeous. She just looked like a goddess, you know. I thought she was royalty wonderful day and uh, we, we had a great time. Some of us came back real light, late last night. I didn't because I knew I had to preach this morning. But we had a good time and we pray they're being blessed. Now then, we're going to continue with our series, Gospel in Life. And uh, this week we're looking at community. And just to remind you, the focus of this particular series is on the good news about Jesus because we use that word gospel, and I've kind of assumed everybody knows what it means, but it's the good news about Jesus and how it lives in our hearts, how it moves in our community, and how it moves out into the world. And here's the thing, grace changes everything. Why do we say that? Is it because it's because it's God's unmerited favor that drew you and me to a knowledge of the truth about Jesus, But here's the point. It's the same in grace, and here's another definition on grace, his empowering presence that is going to empower us so that we can be, and more importantly, we can do the things God has called us to be and to do. Now, last week, and Chris did an excellent job, we looked at what we call idols, things that we depend on, Apart from God. In fact, I'll read it here. It says, an idol is anything besides Jesus that we think we must have to be happy. It's anything that enslaves our hearts through inordinate desire. It's the place we go for comfort. Now, the wonderful thing that Chris said was the antidote to this is developing an all-consuming passion for Jesus. Jesus. So a greater passion overcomes the inordinate passion. There's more we could have said about that. But now we're going to ask ourselves, where does God work changing us? Where does God work changing us? Well, it's in the community. And now we're just going to listen to Timothy Keller. Thank you. Tremendous what he says there. When I listened to the video two or three times, and you almost want, I had to stop it two or three times, because he said things that just went past, I go, whoa, whoa, what was that? And what I'm gonna do is just summarize those points, and then we're just gonna look at three points, that I hope that will help us to see how important community is, how important it is to be part of a life group. Because you see, as he said so well there, so eloquently, that's the word, that you can come to church, you can have a deep experience of God, and you can go away back into your home and not really go any further in your spiritual life. So let's just pull up these points here as a summary. He says in 1 Peter 2, 9, which is the start verse, it says here, but you are a chosen people, you are a royal priesthood, you are a holy nation. God's special possession that you might, what? Declare the praises of him who called you, what? Out of darkness into his wonderful night. Light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You know, I, I love this verse. You know why? Because those of well, I've been in my Christian things for a long time. They're, but there used to be a guy called David Haddon, and he wrote a song, We Are a Royal Priesthood, A Holy Nation. And it was a great song. But... The fact that who we are, I just feel good. That you know, you're know you not just anybody. That you, you belong to God. And you might think where you work that you are nothing special. But just remember who you are. I must stop because I mustn't preach this. I've got to get through it. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you, have, you have, had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So here are the key points. We're a holy nation, and here's the word he says, distinct from the world around us. A royal priesthood who are what? Deeply involved in the life of people around us. You know, I just want to stop there. It's very easy for us not to get involved in people's lives. Because we've got enough going on in our own lives. You know, you can live on a street. Now, the kind of person that I am, I've lived on the same street for 30 years. I know everybody. My wife... Just knows the people next door. They were different personalities. But one of the things is that on the street, if there's a car parked outside my house and they need to get it moved, they ring my door. Because they say, oh, then i will know whose car it belongs to. But God calls us to get involved. It's part of the role. You, you cannot know God, I like this one, apart from the community. I'm going to unpack that. You cannot deeply change Apart from the community. And you cannot win the world apart from community. And we're going to look at the last three. And I'm going to take the first one now. You cannot know God apart from community. I laugh, you know, because yesterday Henry and Deborah got married. And I always think about it like this. When I got, before I got married, I thought I was a holy man of God. Then I got married. (laughs) And I found out that simple things brought out the worst in me. And in fact, the preacher yesterday, he he summarized it well. He says, today you are going to look at each other with love in your eyes. But do you realize that your partner will be a monster the next day because you didn't put the gap on the toothpaste? Or he likes, he doesn't mind getting there late but she likes to be early. You know, that's an issue for us. Oh, mercy. You know, every wedding we get to, we need prayer before we get out of the car because I left late and when we get there and we should leave on time and, man, she's preaching it to me. (laughs) But, you know, God's merciful. But the fact is that it's in relationship that we begin to change. 1 John 2, 9 says this, 9, 10 says this. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light. And there's nothing in them to make them stumble. Here's the point John's making. He's saying, you can love God in isolation. You can be a holy man or woman of God, 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 in isolation. You can do, but the minute you say, I love God, but you hate your brother, ha ha, now we see what's really going on in your heart. How we deal with others in community is directly proportional to our relationship with God. How we deal with people in community is directly proportional to our relationship with God. You see, that's why you cannot know God apart from community. Or else we'll all be hermits sitting on a mountain somewhere. I want to be alone. (laughs) (laughs) Now I know we all have days like that. Let me give you another scripture here. Luke 7:40, 40, 47. Jesus answered Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. He said, Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had any money to pay it back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who has the bigger debt. Forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I've come into your house. Now the tradition is when you went into someone's house, you washed their feet. You did not give me any water for my feet. She wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I've entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, excuse me, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever's been forgiven little loves little. Here's the point our experience of God's love and forgiveness enables us to release it to other people. Now, here's the point. If you have If you are deficient in the experience of God's love and mercy, then it's very difficult to give what you haven't received. Let me put it to you another way. You see, it's very easy to give away love if you've received love. If you only have what we call an experimental, intellectual, cognitive understanding of the love of God, as we read it in the word of God, that's you can't give that away. But if you have a deep experiential experience of the love of God also, where you know that your sins are forgiven, you know where you were, and if it wasn't for him, where you would be. It's easy to give away God's love, and it's easy to be non-judgmental with people, because you know where you've come from. Which... Would you rather have? As one husband, you know, wife said to her husband, you don't love me, baby. And he said, look, if anything changes, I'll tell you. <laughs> you don't, no, you didn't get that, did you? <laughs> ah, now you got it. Yeah, you got it. You know, if anything changes, I'll tell you. No, 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 that's not going to be good enough. Why is it, don't matter how long you live, you want your husband to tell you that you love you, you want to have affection, etc. It's not enough just to have an intellectual understanding that your husband loves you. So what we're saying is this, there needs to be an experiential experience. That's why in Romans chapter five, Paul says this, and verse five, that the love of God is what? Poured out into our heads? No, into our hearts. God wants us to have an experience and an encounter of that love. And therefore, when you've experienced that love, when you come into the community, that's where you can express it. But if you can't, then we know something about what's going on with you in terms of your relationship with God. Point two, you cannot deeply change apart from community. Why? It's good that, wasn't it? (laughs) Because it's the place where God has ordained for us to what? Affirm one another's strengths, gifts, and importance. Look, friends, the scripture says this, be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. So what does this mean? Look for the good. Look. in our community, if you are gifted to speak, if you are gifted to serve, if you are gifted to welcome, affirm it. Look for the good. Edify. Now, in our society, we kind of do, people are strange. If someone happens to be good at speaking, then instead of saying, oh, you really are a good speaker, they say, you talk a lot. Or could you get it into five words? Now, what's that all about? What's that all about? I'd rather have someone affirm me than kind of give me a backhanded affirm, affirmation. Oh, you talk a lot, don't you, but you're good. (laughs) Friends, one of the things you want to do, and you can do it in in the community, but also outside the community, is look for the good. We have a society where we spend a great deal of time pulling people down. I don't read the newspapers, but you know what the newspaper's about. They're there to pull people down. But in our society, we affirm the good, and we acknowledge people's giftings. You know, we say, look, you know, and be specific. Well, I, if I'm trying to affirm someone, I'm, I'm specific. You know, so I'll say, you know, the way that you said that, it was just so excellent, it really blessed me. That's edification. And this wants to be, we want to be a kind of community that does that. Don't be envious or threatened by other people's gifts. It's not their fault that they've got it. God gave it to them. And don't be envious of other people's relationships. You know, some people have relate with other people and you're like, (laughs) and you get all uptight because you can't get to know them in the same way. Look, don't be envious of that. And don't be envious of other people's success. Here's a big test for you. How can you, can you applaud other people's success? Is it a kind of, <laughs> yeah? <laughs> or don't you cheer for them because they're successful? You know, particularly in our society at the moment where people are losing jobs, etc., etc., it's very easy to look at someone else that's got what you haven't got. And instead of giving God thanks for what you've got, You spend most of your time focused on what you haven't got, or you spend most of your time reflecting on what life was like. When, just like the children of Israel, when God was taking them out of Egypt, they and things got a little bit difficult because all of a sudden the Egyptians came after them. They said, "Oh, that we were back in Egypt where the leeks and the and the garlic were." These people have forgotten all about the 430 years when they were being lashed and beaten and had to make bricks. And we're very selective. We have what we call selective amnesia about the past. We remember the things that were good and we forget the things that were bad. Oh, in the good old days, like, you know, right, you know, when we used to have bread and gruel. No! (laughs) You see, the reality is that we need to be thankful for what God has done for us. You know, and here's something... Don't be afraid to demonstrate the love through appropriate affection. So, you know, hugging people and appropriate kissing that's okay. We, you know, what's happened in our society is we've gone right over the other extreme now that if you're in teaching or in whatever, if you touch someone on the elbow, you could be removed. But in the, amongst the people who've got appropriate, of course, they should be afraid to. when people come in and they see the love and the encouragement and the affection, that speaks to the world. And the affection is pure affection. In fact, I think it says in Romans sixteen sixteen, it says, "Greet one another with a holy kiss." You can interpret that however you wish. All right. You cannot deeply change apart from communities. Therefore, we need to what? Practice, share, practice sharing one another's beliefs, thinking. Spirituality, space, goods, food, time, needs, and problems. You see, I'd love to unpack every one of them, but Chris will turn me off because I've run over time. But let's look at Acts 2 42 to 46, because all of that is virtually encapsulated in this verse. Acts chapter 2, and let's give you the background. The the 120 disciples in Acts chapter 1 were together. Jesus decides to leave them, the ultimate act of delegation. He goes back to heaven, they're there. They're all huddled together, they're afraid. Holy Spirit comes, chapter 2. And this bunch of afraid, disheveled disciples, all of a sudden, because of the work of the Holy Spirit, become empowered and Peter spe- preaches the gospel and 3,000 people are crashed into the kingdom of God. And here's the interesting thing. The 120 people were not overwhelmed by it. However, we read, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. So if that means they had spiritual and um, intellectual and debate and teaching about God's work, they act together. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs that were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. In other words, they have one heart and one mind. Now, what you've got to remember is that this is unique. What's happening here? Because we know the verses; those of us have been around. But this was unique. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So there was sharing of goods. Every day, they continued to meet together. In the temple courts. So they did life together. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They had hospitality. Praising God, so there was worship and enjoying the favor of the people. Now, what's happening here is that the, why, did, why do you think the people favored them? Because they saw something that everybody wants, they wanted to belong. They want to be part of something. They want to be part of something where it wasn't based on status or education or class. So in the community, we can begin to practice and share one another's beliefs. Now, where do we do this? This is a life group. This is the place where you do it. So in the life group, you will have times where we'll come to God's word and we'll look at that. and We'll talk and we'll debate. There'll be times when you eat together. I remember when we used to do life groups, man. We used to eat together. Eating was important. Now, if you come to vineyard, you know food is important to us. You know, yes. Yeah. Those of us, those of us who just come off the um, what's it, the alpha course, man, the food has been awesome. Yeah, you guys. I mean, it's been à la carte. Yeah, yeah. It's really been good. So when people get together and eat, you relax and you chill. So it's important, but. It's also not about just about goods and time, but it's also about sharing one another's problems. You know, one of the things that has blessed me personally has been the support and encouragement I've had when I've had challenges. And I've had some, and I'm sure you've had some. And instead of just coming to church and saying, oh, how are you? Oh, I'm fine, liar, <laughs> yeah? I can actually, with the right people, just share and say, look, this is what's going on in my life. Would you just pray for me? I can be here, transparent, I can be open, because I know no one's gonna judge me. And that was a unique thing for me 15 years ago because I did church for a long time and we had house groups but there wasn't that transparency, there wasn't that openness. So people didn't really share their burdens so you had to bear it on your own. But here, the very fact that I'm here today is because of the fact that I have support, I have people around me I can share my heart with, I can come whatever situation or circumstance I'm in and just share and know I will receive prayer and love. And I know I am what I am today because of this community and because of that support and love that's there. Let's look at our next one. Practice serving others' interests and not your own. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 says this. Not looking out to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. This, to me, is the, the mandate for service. That a person who serves is someone who's not looking out for their own interests. When you come into the community, you can come into church and say, I just want my knees met. So you come, you receive. I come to get d- deep teaching from the word. Yes, I want, you know, some people, you know, they say, well, you know, we, 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 we're well fed. Yes, we can see you are fat. You know, that's unfair, you know. It just, we wouldn't say that. In Jamaican, we would say, you look well. <laughs> Spiritually, you look well. So, they think that church is about me, me, me. But no, it's not about you, you, you. It's about him. And it's about how you can meet the needs of others. So, we come with a service mentality. Not a me mentality, And that's a major paradigm shift for many people. If you've been around church and you've joined our church, chances are you will come with that mentality. But we'd like to give you a paradigm shift and remember that when Jesus came into the earth, he didn't come to serve himself. He didn't come to to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The next thing is we need to practice serving one another through accountability. And this is where the rubber hits the road. Because you see, up until now, you can come to church, you can live the life of faith vicariously, enjoy great preaching, be inspired by wonderful worship. And at this point now is whether you are actually going to become part of the community or whether you're just going to go home and say, That was a good message this morning. I was really blessed. Now, this is the next part now. Because you see, through life group and through community now, we're going to make ourselves accountable. I have brothers and sisters that I'm accountable to for my behavior. James chapter 5 verse 16 says this. Therefore confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. This isn't just for healing. Have you ever made yourself accountable? Have you ever confessed your sin to someone else? Now, here's the point. You won't do it if you don't feel safe. There are some situations and circumstances, I'm afraid, in church that the last thing you're gonna do is make yourself vulnerable by telling people what's really going on in your life. Because you're gonna get called by the elders. But you see, the truth is that the only way that we change a community is through accountability. You know, if I'm a man and I'm going away to hotels regularly as I used to and that, I have brothers that I'm accountable to so they want to know what I've been watching. Ooh, now we're talking life. Or when I have besetting sins, I have people that I will talk to and I will confess to. And they'll pray over me and stand with me or admonish me or challenge me. Whether it's Chris or whether it's... There's, Steve and his Derek, yeah. People who will work with me as I make myself—here's the key word—teachable. Make yourself teachable. Make yourself accountable. Finally, practice serving others through forgiveness and reconciliation. Now, you know, when we're together, we're going to upset each other. I was upset the other day. And I was really kind of like, oh, oh, you, know, oh, who did she? you know, I was really kind. And then I went to the Lord and the Lord just, I said, what's going on in my heart? And as I was thinking about the person, he brought up this scripture to me from Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you and I said oh Lord yeah I want to go out there and just give the person a piece of my mind and that's not really right is it and then the Lord just showed me that that person has suffered too so I just humbled myself I said Lord heal my heart and then I just went and asked forgiveness and it was done you know that builds community you know some say it's hard enough to do it in the marriage yes that's true but in the community forgiveness and reconciliation keeps us together because we are human beings we will fail but if there's love if there's compassion and there's mercy and there's tenderness then we can come and receive give forgiveness and give forgiveness to each other final point that he made you cannot win the world apart from community oh boy this thing gets me excited you see because you see God, the way that he intended things to be was that through a community, he would communicate who he is to the world. You need to understand that this thing isn't about you or me. It's about God making his name known through a people in the earth. Now, he wanted to do that with Israel, but Israel failed. So the new community, the church, the people of God, is the community through which he wants to make his name known. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, 46 and 47, we see the effect of when the community is working well. Every day they continue to meet each other in the temple's courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, hearts praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And here it is. And, they, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is no, there's no evangelistic campaign here. What's happening is that because the community is working well together, because people can see love and mercy and peace, God adds. The community is where the attributes of God's mercy, compassion, forgiveness, faithfulness, and love are demonstrated to the world. And this is something he said, and get this, folks. The quality of our community is the key to fulfilling our mission. The quality of our community is the key to fulfilling our mission. What's our mission here? Our mission is to what? Gather all those who are searching for Jesus. To grow in God's love and give that love away. So friends, you being part of a a life group, you might not think that's important, but friends, that's part of how God takes your knowledge here to making it real in your life. Being part of this community is where God can work this stuff deep into you and you can be accountable through relationships. And it's through that that we're able to reach out into the world because the world begins to see a people Who are living the truth. I'm going to finish with Tim's words here. He said this. You will not know God. Change deeply. And win the world. Apart from community. Some of us that's kind of difficult. Because you see we've been individualists. But the truth is that, and he's right, we will not know God, change deeply, and win the world apart from community. Apart from being part of this the community, the people of God. Now you think, to yourself, well, how can I get involved? Two people. Band, if you could come up, please. We've got two groups of people in here, in my mind. So those of you who are new... And you are just finding out about Jesus and you're realising, okay, so the next step is for me to be part of a life group. And then there's those of you who've done church a long time. And you've been part of a kind of a home group, but things haven't gone well. So what happens is you go along when it suits you. You share when you want, but really it's not helping you to change. And what I would say to you this morning is that wherever you are in this, please stand. Wherever you are, whether you are new to this or whether you're old to this, would you make a commitment to actually getting involved in the community? Where you can change, where you can grow, where you can be accountable, where you can be loved, where you can Feel safe to walk through those things in your lives that will come upon you one thing is true for all of us we will all have trials and we will all have difficulties would you prefer to go through them on your own or would you prefer to go through them in community with a group of people who will love you pray for you encourage you believe in you stand with you hold you accountable And together, as we lock arms, we begin to grow in God. And as we move on from there, we begin to attract others into the community, the people of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and bless you for your goodness to us. And we ask you that as a community, Lord, that you will help us. To see that you have put us into community so that we can become more like you. And Lord, we pray for this community here that in the wider community, they may see a group of people who are being changed into your likeness. Through the woof and wharf of life, through the trials and tests, they see love, they see mercy, they see compassion, they see commitment, they see faithfulness. And we ask you, Lord, that it may be so attractive that many will come and you will add to us. Thank you, Lord.